Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field along with contest winners and a few surprise guests. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with our Illustrators of the Future coordinating judge and a very good friend, Echo Chernick. Hello, Echo. Hello, John. Thank you for having me on the, on the podcast. Yeah, and uh, just for anybody that doesn't know, I'm going to go through your bio here a bit. So I'm, I'm reading this because there's so much stuff. You got more than 20 years of experience as a professional commercial artist in the advertising field, five years as an instructor of graphics and design and illustration at Pratt Institute, Westchester Community College, Marymount Manhattan, and Skidmore CCI. You specialize in Art Nouveau-influenced poster design, advertisements, package design, and book covers. And what's way cool is all your different um, accounts that you've worked with. you worked with Miller, Camel, Coors, NASCAR, Trek, Celestial Seasonings Tees, which everybody, if you've seen anything from Celestial Seasoning, that's Echo. Patrick Rothfuss, Arlo Guthrie, Dave Matthews, The Sheik of Dubai, Random House, Penguin, Disney, Mattel, Sears, Public Supermarkets, the Bellagio Resort, El Conquistador Resort, the U.S. Postal Service, the City of Tokyo, the City of New Orleans, the U.S. Virgin Island Tourism, the City of Chicago, Hasbro, Catalyst Game Labs, Langney's, Lurch, and many others. So um, that's, well, that's amazing. Just about used up, that's just about used up our entire time. Love it right there. You're, you're, you're amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so um, anyway, now that uh, everybody knows that they're speaking to a virtual... I guess, art goddess. So how have you been, how have you transitioned from the current pandemic? Uh, you were very prominent in the convention circuit. So how has this whole thing taken you? Well, we've been doing conventions for the last 10 years, and this is the first year we haven't done uh, conventions during the summer. And that's been different. I started, uh, well, as you said, I, I, most of my career has been doing advertising illustration, which is right. awesome. I love it. Um, and then about 10 years ago, we started traveling, doing the conventions to meet fans and so that we could travel with our kids uh, during the summer. And then this summer, we're not going anywhere, uh, just like everybody else. So we're, 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 uh, we're stuck in the studio. So it, that definitely is a transition period for, for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, having done illustration for 25 years or so, I've seen points in my career where I've had to make adjustments. Um, like 9-11 was a big adjustment around New York City that, that had an effect on, on um, our workload and, and everything. Uh, different points and when political things happen, it affects advertising illustration at different times in the economy. And I'll have to make adjustments. So sometimes I'll start teaching or sometimes I'll switch over from advertising to do con more conventions or to do more freelance work or more independent of my own pieces and such. And that is really important important when being an artist in order to uh, maintain, um, well, to keep working, really. And the pandemic is no different. Just It's just at a much, much bigger scale. Uh, so it's important. Um, so one of the things that, um, that I've done now is that advertising work has slowed down a lot because, you know, everything that's going on, uh, conventions have stopped completely. So I've started focusing on my own pieces and I put up a Patreon um, and I'm working on my, my personal Patreon pieces until things settle down again. So which they will. Absolutely. They will. Does it make any difference? Cause you recently moved from the big city to, or I guess relatively near the big city to your own private Island. You're like with, Tattoo and Z plane, Z plane, Z plane. <laughs> well, 
not not quite, but uh, <laughs> sort of like that. There was a bridge. <laughs> so, yes, we, we, we lived in Sammamish, um, and a year ago we bought a, uh, a piece of land up here on Camino Island, and I had intended to move here in four years and stay down in Sammamish until my, my high schoolers were out of school, which brings me to an important point about this pandemic and about flexibility. Um, a lot of people right now are in a weird place, you know, where things just look like they're completely falling apart and it's really scary that, you know, you look, you're, you're looking at the, the, the job you're supposed to be doing or where you're what you're supposed to be working on. And, and it's, and it's, um, you know, it's kind of scary. You know, right. you have, what you really need to do is you need to think about, okay, take a step back, take a breath and think about, um, how you can adapt to the current situation. So that's what I did with the move up here is I looked at the, everything that was going on. This was back in March. And I said, this is going to last a little bit while. And if we lose all of our shows, that's going to have an impact. Um, so I made the move then to move up here because it decreased our expenses a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard for people to make such a drastic decision, but you have to look at the situation and think, you know, should I stay where I am? Should I move? Um, what should I be doing? Should I, um, it, it is a great time to focus on uh, your artwork or something, you know, something else. It's a good time to change careers or to, to look around and see what else can I do to, to adapt to the, to the new situation that's coming up. Okay. So I have a question now. Do you consider it more important to specialize in one type of art or be competent in multiple mediums or even fields of endeavor like storyboards versus graphic design, cover art, et cetera? Well, I've personally been freelance for the last 25 years, and that has been important to me. Um, And in order to do that, the only way uh, I've been able to maintain that is to diversify. Mm -hmm. So um, it's I I personally work in a lot of different mediums. I don't work in one medium. Um, I went to Pratt where they they taught us to uh, like a basic foundation. That's what I loved about Pratt, a basic foundation to create art in all different mediums. And so sometimes I work digitally, sometimes I work physically in oils or pen and ink or uh, many other mediums, depending what the project calls for. And then sometimes I'll, I'll work in, um, I'll do package design or I'll do oil paintings or I'll do, uh, uh, depending, depending what the, what the need is for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at that time. So I think it's personally, I think it's important to, uh, to diversify, but then there's some people that make their living on specializing. The only problem with specializing then if, if that falls apart, you're limited in where you can spread out to. Okay. So your own personal opinion, what you recommend then is being able to, it's not necessarily jack of all trades because you are a master at all these things, but is to like to build up competence in various forms so that you can then handle whatever requests as they come up so that, You've you covered your bases more when in a in today's situation. Well, that's how I personally have been able to keep working freelance, and even now, when two of my avenues of of revenue have slowed down quite a bit, I'm not really worried about that. But it's it's slowed down just because of everything that's going on. So I've introduced the Patreon, which is a you know a different level. The two uh, for the conventions and for the advertising are not really producing right now. So the, the Patreon and private work is is what's uh, is where I'm focusing all my efforts. That's that's how I that's my personal strategy for keeping keeping working. But then again, I work a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right, so we had a conversation a few months ago where you proposed a cover for volume 37, the one that's going to be releasing next year. This, I mean, your concept has to be born from your past as a commercial artist because it was totally brilliant what you came up with. So let's talk about what your proposal was and um, why that is so important 
with uh, Riders of the Future? Uh, the, the cover for next year? Mm-hmm. So um, I did the previous cover as well um, for volume 36. I right. wanted, with that piece, I particularly wanted to do a piece that reflected to me the, the hope and, and anticipation of what the contest is all about. You know, right. you don't know what's in there. You don't know what's, what's coming. And it's, it's supposed to be a, ho- a hopeful cover. Um, and then, of course, the pandemic hit. And that ended up, uh, that ceremony ended up getting postponed. Um, and I was thinking about that. And actually, in the middle of the night, I woke up and I suddenly, th- I was thinking, well, wait a minute, all these, all these winners, you know, we want, we want to celebrate the winners. You guys do such a, a job celebrating and really making them feel special. I, I, I hated seeing them lose that. So just in the middle of the night, it occurred to me, well, wait a minute, what if I do a follow-up cover and Jody wrote a follow-up story and we linked the two and then we had, um, there, there were two linked covers. They're completely separate, but they're, they're going to be linked uh, together so that we can do one big ceremony, which brings in the winners from both years and they get, they get uh, equal attention and you know, nobody loses anything. So you have to be a little creative in these times in order to survive. <laughs> that was really creative. And, and what's good, too, because we, we have when we do our events, we have our theme and the whole um, event is built around whatever that um, imagery is. And so to have now here this beautiful uh, princess with her phoenix, you know, that whole look and then to switch it. Okay, now we're this next year we're doing science fiction. It wouldn't work, so something had to give, and we weren't willing to give anything. So, you provided a really good solution so that we can have the same type of music. All the different uh, decor for the for the event can be you know consistent, which is great. And the imitations and all the promo and the videos and all that stuff because it's it would make it difficult. Plus, we can now uh, next year when we have this combined event, we can have our our winners uh, team up so we can have volume six, thirty six and thirty seven doing in store events, which right now are not available. We're doing some Zoom events, but right now uh, we're anticipating that next year we'll be able to have our in-store events and have both years of winners um, participating. So that, that should be good. So rather than just having, this is this year, and oh, there, there's last year too. It's two years, you know, equal and presented and exciting, and um, it'll be really, really awesome. You guys always do such a wonderful job at the events. Yeah, and we still haven't announced the grand prize winner for Volume 36. No, I'm interested to see how you do that. I can't wait. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who it is. So yeah. Um, so now uh, you're the coordinating judge for the Illustrators of the Future contest. Why is this important to you? This contest. The Illustrators of the Future. Oh, yeah. the Illustrators of the Future contest is um, it's awesome. I think it's the best contest out there, honestly, uh, because it's set up with the sole purpose of helping to launch careers and. It allows established artists like myself to give back. When you get to a certain point in your career, you have all this information um, that you really struggled to get when it was early on in your own career. Um, and being able to share that and to help people succeed and to see them succeed is just, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I think, and I think that's, it's just an incredible contest and an incredible opportunity for, for people to do that. So, um, and I'm hoping that, we, I, know, I know this is a scary time for everyone, but I'm hoping that with, the um, the more time that people have, they're they're able to focus themselves on things that maybe they couldn't focus on before. Um, they might not have had as much time for their artwork or for writing, and maybe they can take some of that time and focus on on those things. It's hard because you're worried about everything else, but um, 
that would be nice to, to see some people make, you know, to, to adapt and see more entries come in for it yeah. so, and then be able to support them. Exactly. Well, we've definitely have each quarter, we have more and more entries and we've been running highest ever for the last four years with the illustrator contest. It's coincidence with this uh, lovely lady coming on board, I think <laughs> um, named echo. So uh, it's good. And so I know you've reached out to various schools, art schools for them to enter. And just from the conventions telling people to enter the contest, we have a lot of, a lot of increase in the uh, interest in the contest. Well, the conventions are great because we'll go around and we'll try to find young artists and talk to them or people come up to me at the booth and um, I always give them the cards and try to encourage them. Jeez, you know, enter and enter several times a year. If you don't get in, it doesn't mean because your work, your work's not good. Just, you know, enter every quarter anyway, even if you don't get in, don't take it personally. So yeah. cause we get different entries every quarter and sometimes, you know, you, you might've just not gotten in by like the skin of your teeth. So enter again the next quarter. Yeah. So keep sending artwork in. I want yeah. to see it. <laughs> yeah. And what's really good too is, is now there's more and more finalists being announced because the, the quality and quantity of entry has increased such that there is that very fine line between winner and finalist that they need to be recognized that, come on guys, you're close. And mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's really important. Other thing that I think is really exciting is the fact that we have so many international entries now and this past year, the diversity of art as seen by the art in the book itself was amazing. We had our, a winner from Iran, Mason Matak, when his art is totally different than um, our winner from Turkey. We had a winner from um, Vietnam, um, and they all have different art styles and different uh, color palettes that they work with. And then, of course, we've got you know winners from UK and America. Um, those guys already, but we've got. <laughs> It's such a diversity of, uh, of talent and it really is open to anybody. And you've added that level of acceptance globally. So it's not art has to look like this. You know, so no, I'm a big believer in different styles of art. So what happens is all the entries come to me first and then I go through and I choose which ones are going to go on to the judges. Um, and I try to send over a diverse selection of pieces um I, I look for you know uh talent and for skill in the illustration the ability to tell a story the line work and i can tell that in the different styles mm -hmm. um i i even send over styles that aren't particularly my cup of tea i'm like oh you know it's i could tell that it's really well done and it's really awesome and the colors are great but i don't particularly care for it but that doesn't mean one of the judges isn't going to choose it so if it's a good if they're good pieces then I'll send them over to the judge anyway, because let them. It has to go through more than just me. So right. um, you know, so I go and I go on storytelling ability and um, the quality of of the drawing, the consistency in the piece is what's you know. Uh, and, and I let black and white pieces through too. Some some competitions don't allow um, black and white because I, I was a black and white illustrator at the beginning of my career. So so good because this is usually a question that comes up comes up a lot with writers like. What are they looking for? What are they looking for? So I can be that. So this is an important thing that you're saying. So just to make sure in case they didn't get the first time that what you're saying is look at people, this is what I'm looking for. So what are you looking for now on the submissions that if they violate that is pretty much they got a, a, a definite hard road to hoe there. So what are you looking for that's going to for this competition? For this competition, I'm looking for them to do their own style, first of all, because if you're doing your, your, your art the way that you do it, 
your passion for it comes through. I can, you can see that somebody really enjoys it. For instance, at the beginning of my career, I did a lot of Art Nouveau pieces. And at the beginning, Art Nouveau wasn't in, but I kept doing it anyway. And people kept saying, wow, I've never seen anything like this. I could see the passion, you know, even though it wasn't com completely in yet. So just do the style that speaks with you, do your art. Um, when it comes down to a couple different entries, I will, and I have to choose between say a really, you know, some really good portraits or some really good drawings versus something that tells like a story and illustration. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's telling an illustration, I'll go with that one because this is an illustrator's contest after all. So the more pieces that you have that kind of tell a story about what's going on, uh, that's definitely a, a, str a stronger one. Um, uh, but it's okay to put, you know, a piece just showing pure skill in there as well. So, but the, the, when it comes down to it, the illustrators ones are um, more preferable. Good. Now they have to submit three pieces of art uh, or three illustrations. Is there any particular thing that they have to be diverse or be consistent or show different aspects or any particular aspect of the, the three pieces that they have to submit? Just put in their three strongest pieces, the three pieces they like the best. Um, consistency is good. Uh, but if you're, if they're all your pieces and you've worked hard on them, they will be consistent um, in certain aspects anyway, generally. Um, but don't put in the pieces that you think you should put in because you think I might like them. Just put in the pieces that you think are the best that, that represent what you want to do. If that's what you want to do for a living, that's what I want to see. Um, don't send me, don't, don't send something that um, you're like, well, I think they'll really like this picture of the illustration, even though I really want to do this other piece, this other style over here. Send the style you want to do because that's what you want to make a living at. That's what we want to see when you do win. That's what we want to see your, your grand prize or your uh, final piece to be in in the book. It's going to yeah. be the style you submit. So, so, you know, so definitely send in the style you, uh, you are striving to work in. Okay, that, that's good. That, that clarifies. Thank you. And send in your own pieces, please. Don't plagiarize. So every once in a while, we have, you know, entries that come in that or from somebody else, send in your own artwork and then send it in again the next quarter. Good. And one thing too, that people need to know, there are computer programs that can check for plagiarism uh, for stealing somebody else's art and it will be rejected. We, one of the things we do is when it gets to the finalists, we do check every piece that's been submitted to make sure that it is your original art. We, you know, that's something that's definitely looked for. And the fact that you also are an experienced artist, you have your own, um, you're a walking encyclopedia of art already just because of, of your experience, as is Lazarus, as are the other judges. So it doesn't pay off and um, it is looked for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So now um, there's various essays. It's come up with the uh, writer contest um, that the uh, people that take the online workshop as well as they do the, uh, um, that come out here for the workshop are um, really impressed with some of the different uh, essays that were written by, by Warren Hubbard. But one of them that comes up really surprisingly with, or maybe not so surprisingly with the writers, is the art more about, where they, uh, they really get into the art is the quality of communication and that aspect of it. Any, yes, anything that you've yourself have found of value from um, Mr. Hubbard's essays on art? Oh, he has fabulous essays on art. We try to introduce them um, during the curriculum. Though when, we, when we're down there, we cover different aspects of art. I don't have the book in front of me to name, to name particular ones off, uh, but each one has its own value. He, he, he was uh, friends with Frazetta, and so he really knew quite a lot about how art and 
uh, writing complemented each other and tied together and told stories. Uh, and I think that's really, you know, insightful and important. I, I, I like that he valued art as much as writing, even though he was a writer. So because they are, they, they, they're, they go hand in hand. Yeah. So the value of having an Illustrated of the Future contest for book, because you've done a lot of book covers. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I would assume you've also done uh, uh, inside plates as well for, for books. But um, so what do you see as the important, the continued importance of that for publishing itself? Of having artwork on the cover? Well, when people are shopping for a book, it's hard to, it, what the artwork does is it gives you, it draws you in. It, it gives you a, a taste of what you could expect. Hopefully, if I, if done well, without giving away the story, but it'll give you. Uh, it, it entices you and makes you go, "Oh, that looks interesting. I want to. I want to read more about that." And then they can get into the story and they start picturing it based on the art. So it's it's like a introduction, a teaser. It, it sells it sells the the story because if you just had a bookstore full of just words it would be hard to pick out a book to yeah. read because you'd be like, wow, this is a lot of words in here. Um, the, having a good cover, a good illustration helps you go, helps you narrow it down and sort of search and say, Ooh, that's a science fiction story. That, that looks really neat. I, I love stories with other planets and stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to pick that up and kind of flip through it. And then you get into the words. So it's, so it helps communicate what the story is about. And it's important for illustrators to understand how to illustrate the story without telling too much, but without telling too little as well. They have to complement the story and sell it and, you know, and show what's going on with that, you know, in an enticing manner that doesn't give away the story as well. Um, and the writers also at the workshop, we've been working with them to learn about how to work with illustrators because our brains work differently when, when presenting the way a story looks than, than the writers do. The writers will write out, you know, this is what's going on. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't really illustrate visually so well. So they're, they're two different sides of it. So they need to complement each other. Okay. And then when you do illustrate a, a book cover, do you read the whole story? Do you read a synopsis? Do you get briefed? What's, to what degree are you uh, familiar with the story before you do your art? I like to read the whole story. Um, that's not always possible. Right. Uh, sometimes, uh, like I, I was doing a book cover once, um, and I said, okay, can I, can I read the story? And they said, well, it hasn't actually been written yet. I'm like, okay. So they gave, me a, they gave me a synopsis of what was going to happen and what elements would be in it. The writer is working on it at the same time. So, um, so that, in that case, I wasn't able to read it. Sometimes it's a synopsis. Sometimes it's the whole story. I, I, I personally like to read it. I was uh, advised back in college, you know, that that's the best way to do it. And so I, I like to, but again, sometimes if they're like, well, we need this book cover in like a week, you, you don't necessarily have time to read the whole thing. So you just do your best too. But uh, I, I always advise that people read the story if they can, or actually read it twice if you can, right? Read it once just to enjoy it and to get the flavor of it and then read it the second time and make notes of all the different visual elements that you might want to include. But don't worry about that the first time. The first time, just enjoy the story. Right. So that's what I did with the Rothfuss project. I read the book and then I read it again and, and made notes of everything so that, uh, that I said, oh, this is a good symbol. Oh, this is a good, this is this. And maybe made charts of all the different characters and all the different symbols with all the characters so that I, I could visually make sure that I, I kept track of everything. So, but the first time you should just enjoy the story. Good. Well, that definitely paid off with the Rothfuss project. <laughs> that was fun. That, that, that was a fun project. That was a big project. Yeah. So yeah, for those that don't know is, is that the, the card deck that you created, which was uh, amazing. All the different pieces that you put together in that. How long did it take you to do that? 
about two years. So it was about two, it was two card decks actually. Um, and then they could be interchangeable with each other and then three other pieces of art as well. And over the course of the entire thing, it took about two years. So, so it was a lot, but included reading all the books, developing all the logos and the labels and everything and all the artwork. And so, yeah, so it was fun. Absolutely. I love working with authors. I'm working with another author right now on something. So. Well, good. So, um, Tell me about, you know, let me more about your art itself. Like you said, Art Nouveau, but you, is that, that's like your first love and main love or? Well, at the beginning of my career, um, I started off actually in role-playing game art because I wanted to be illustrating right out of college. And I, we played role-playing games and I knew that I could probably get work doing this uh, early on. Um, and I could make all my mistakes in that field before I got into like the main advertising world where it's much more important that you make your deadlines and you don't make mistakes. Um, and over the course of that, I ended up doing a lot of work for uh, White Wolf and the role-playing game Mage and Wraith. And my work became more and more Art Nouveau and more and more decorative, which I found I enjoyed greatly. Um, Art Nouveau has more curving lines and curving hair and, and botanical elements and stuff. Um, so then I got hired uh, to do a poster for Trek Bicycles in Art Nouveau style. Um, and then from there, I just kept getting hired for more and more art nouveau, but I get hired for other things as well. Um, I'm working on like a pattern design right now, like a vector pattern design. I get hired for a lot of patterns. I've got hired for portraits. I have to do photorealistic portraits of you know, oil paintings and stuff. So it's just kind of spread from there. But yeah, that was my first love was that. And then, um, I also have like a more of a cyberpunk style that I work in for the role-playing game Shadowrun, which is a completely different style. And it kind of amazes me how fans can look at both my Shadowrun work and my Art Nouveau and say, oh, I can absolutely tell that's the same artist. I'm like, I can't tell. So, <laughs> so just I tell people, just do what you love and then people will be able to see the passion. In it. It's okay to do a couple different styles. Yeah, That's perfectly fine. Good, good. So, um, now, your husband, Lazarus, is a creative, his, his whole history, he's a creative director, brand manager, and designer. He's also a contest judge. How does this help or hinder the direction and art you want to be able to create? It doesn't hinder the direction I want to create, and we work together as a team. Um, when I'm stuck on something, I'll, I'll ask him to come and, you know, help me get back on track or help make creative decisions, which is great. Um, and in regards to the contest, we have the, um, the event uh, down there, the workshop. He plays the part as the creative director and he focuses on um, teaching them how to work with creative directors and how to work with, uh, with um, art directors so that they know how to present their portfolio and how to communicate because you're as an artist you're creating artwork which is great but you have to if you're working for a book cover comp a company to do a book cover say for instance you have to be able to communicate with them you have to know what the art director is asking you for you have to know what certain things are like how to keep it within the bleed and the dimensions and uh, there's certain rules you do and you don't do for book covers versus interior pieces when it comes to composition um so he he does a lot of that with the um the winners, which is what makes us a really good team. Mm -hmm. So we, we focus a lot on helping people get their portfolios ready and getting used to talking to art directors and creative directors. Cause you know, it's a little daunting sure. so, to be like, Oh, here's all my passion in life's work. Please don't judge me too hardly. So, you know, be, please be gentle. So you have to learn how to, how to do that. It takes practice just like anything else. So he, he's very good at, at, at um, playing that part and working with them on that. So, um, but he, he assists me. 
in getting um, my pieces where they need to be. Good. Now, what about, um, it's come up sometimes with someone keeping in their, their creative integrity, you know, as an artist. Um, the art director says, I think you should do this, this, and this. And they go, no, it violates my integrity as an artist to do that. Please address that subject. That subject is, that's challenging because sometimes as an artist, you don't want to, you have something in mind and you don't want to change it. Um, but the, the art director's job is to know what's best for the project. They're, they're guiding the, the, what the way the finished product is going to look and they have something in mind. They know, you know what the theme is going to be. They know that it has to go with other projects that are out there on the shelves. They, they, they have the bigger picture in mind. Um, so when they tell the artist, no, I need it to look like this. Um, for instance, I had a, a book cover that I did once uh, and it was a steampunk book cover and they wanted me to cut off the woman's eyes, like at the top of the book cover. So you just saw her nose down and then her body and her clothes and everything. And I really didn't want to do that <laughs> because I like drawing the eyes. I have a lot of connection between the eyes. And so my creative integrity was like, don't cut the eyes off. And so I did everything I could. I would present them the sketch that they like, and then two other sketches, well, they're the C's. Well, they went with the one that they wanted with the eyes cut off. And I even did the finished piece with the full face and, and the eyes and everything, and I cropped it, but then I did a larger cropping of how great it would look if you kept the eyes on, and they still cropped it. And so <laughs> I tried so hard. But um, it's, it wasn't in that case, it wasn't about integrity I, I i didn't want the eyes i really didn't want the eyes cut off but they had a picture they had an image they had a reason for wanting it to be this way and so you have to work together if you can't work with an art director and have you know and communicate with them then you're probably better off being a fine artist and, and doing just your own pieces where you don't have to answer to an art director because working in commercial illustration and for book covers it's it's um it, it had there's there's reasons behind things it's it's you know you have to work together as a team. It really is a team, a team effort. So we don't always agree with what the art directors say. The art directors say, make this orange. And you go, orange? I don't want to make that orange. That's terrible. Um, but you have to, as an artist, present why you think it's a bad choice. And if they say, no, no, it needs to be orange because of this, you know, you just, you have to work together on it. Because usually they have a reason for their choices as well. Good. And then based on your experience, is there anything that's an absolute instant turnoff for an art director with a, working with an artist? Well, make your deadlines, first of all, because they're on deadlines. That's very important. They have, they have, uh, they have to keep goals. And if you can't, I mean, they have to they keep their things, um, their, their own deadlines. And if they miss those, then it messes, it can mess up the whole print schedule of everything. Um, now the deadline they give the artist isn't necessarily the final, final deadline that they need the art in. There's usually wiggle room, but not always. So if for some reason an artist is working with them and, the artist got sick or something happened, just communicate with the art director and say, hey, listen, can we give me another week? You know, or is, is that possible? Or do you need it in on this day? I, I really want to work on this part more. And they're, they're flexible. Just communicate. You know, just, just talk to them and make sure you tell them. So keeping deadlines is definitely an important thing, or at least communicating. So, yeah. Okay. So that's like ranks up pretty high up the list there. That ranks pretty high up the list, yeah. Because if you don't make deadlines, then it messes up the entire project and then you can't be trusted to uh, complete the work in time. Very good. So now, uh, any particular advice you have for the aspiring artists, other than, other than what you've already said? 
for the aspiring artists, I think it's important to keep drawing. Uh, drawing is the number one most important thing. Um, even if you work digitally or, or you know, lear learning to draw from life is really important because it uses a different part of the brain. It's like a different exercise. So try to draw from life if you can. Uh, a little hard right now because there's no life drawing sessions, but there are some models online that are offering like live Zoom life drawing sessions that you can do. Uh, you can also just go sit outside within six or 10 feet of people and draw them, you know, from a distance as well. But drawing from life uses a different part of the brain than drawing from pictures. So um, keep drawing, keep drawing, keep drawing. Um, and if you're, a lot of people are in a strange situation right now with the pandemic of having more time or having to rethink their life. Mm -hmm. um, you have the unique opportunity right now to look around and say, okay, I'm supposed to be doing this job. I've gone to school to do this job. I'm supposed to be, you know, doing this, this career, but I can't because of the pandemic. And I'm, you know, the world is all, you know, tumultuous. You know, what should I do? Take a breath, look around and think, okay, I might have to make drastic changes. Is there something artistically that I've always wanted to do? Have I always wanted to be an illustrator or be something that I, I can work on and work towards that goal until things settle down? Because rather than focusing on everything that's, you know, that's going on right now, focus on, you know, how can I make myself better during this time until things settle down? Things will settle down. They will. But, you know, instead of, instead of looking at the, um, the, the bad parts, try to make, make yourself better, work on your artistic um, write a book or, or work in your portfolio, work in some pieces and, um, you know, try to focus there. So, but don't get overwhelmed. And if you can't create, that's okay too. Okay, good. You can appreciate, you can admire it. You can buy it. <laughs> but even, even now it's a lot of pressure. People feel, they feel like they have to make paintings or something because, uh, they have the time now and it's just too much pressure. So um, don't, don't feel bad if you have a bad day and you can't, there's a lot going on right now. So. Yeah. Good. So um, how, is, how uh, can somebody enter the illustrators of the future contest? Oh, online. Uh, you can enter the illustrators of the future contest at uh, illustrators of the future.com uh, or writers of the future.com. There's a link over to the illustrators of the future.com. You send up three different images every quarter and they're completely blind. So I have no idea where you're from, how old you are, anything about you, whether, you know, I don't know anything about the artists. I don't know who they are. Uh, and then they get sent over to the judges and the judges don't know either. We just always see the images. So that's one of the cool things about, um, about the contest is it's, uh, it's completely blind. Didn't we end up with like half female winners just recently? Well, just recently, the first quarter we had all female winners for the writers and illustrators. So that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, we have uh, we have no idea who you are, where you are, or anything. So just send it in. What's it going to hurt? Yeah, it's interesting because Dave uh, Wolverton, the, the judge for the writers, according to just the writers contest, he actually thought that some of the uh, stories that he chosen were were uh, women authors because of the female protagonist. When he found out it was a male, it was like wow. And then and reversely, so it's just. This, they're not even looking for anything particular other than what you said yourself. It's not, oh, this has got to be a, a guy writing this or a guy illustrating this thing. It's just, it's either good art or it's not. And then once it's good, these are the, these are the levels of this is the best. And that's what we want with uh, the Illustrators of the Future contest. Sometimes I can tell where the influences are 
from, like Matax illustrations. I could tell they were probably somewhere in Slovakia, middle of Europe somewhere. Uh, turns out he's from uh, Iran, right? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, that, was, that was very obviously Middle East. You know? that, yeah, he was. But I, but I could have gone. He could have been. He could have gone more like Slovakian too, because yeah. there was some sort of Czech, you know, yeah. influence in there as well. They were definitely more folk tale-y and stuff. But I could tell by the influences in his choices that he was overseas somewhere. Uh, but I couldn't tell if he was a, a male or a male or a female or anything. Yeah. So and that's not really important. So correct. Good. All right. So. Um, Anything else that I haven't asked you, we're going to go into how people can find out and check out your art, but before we get to that part, anything else that you wanted to say? Oh, yeah, I want to make sure I let them know. Um, that I, I think that this they, they need to enter the, the contest because even if you're afraid to, send just send your work in. It's, you know, it's, you don't... Uh, you don't win if you don't play, like a lot of people used to say. Um, a lot of people create their art and then they're afraid to show people because they're afraid they're going to be judged or they're afraid that people are going to make fun of them. Just send it in. It's not going to hurt. And then, you know, even if you don't get picked, just keep sending it in. So, you know, because you can still become a, um, a semifinalist or an honorable mention. And then that, that feels really good, like you're going in the right path. So, and people can always contact me as well um, if they have questions about things. I'm on Facebook. So don't send me the pieces you're submitting because, you know, I don't, I don't want to see your pieces you're sending in ahead of time. So, but just, you know, but you can send me other pieces and ask me questions and things if you want. So. Good. And yeah. one thing is that when a person submits, the worst that's going to happen is that they'll get an email saying, thank you for entering the contest. Please enter again. That's the absolute worst yeah. going to happen. You'll and that doesn't mean happy. that your stuff was bad. That might just mean we got a lot of entries this, that quarter. Some quarter orders, we get like a lot of entries and some quarters we get less entries. So yeah, that's the worst that's going to happen is you're going to say, hey, enter again. So keep yeah. at it. Yeah, on the writer side, we've got people who have been entering over 40 times submitting before they finally either proed out or um, won. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, the artists haven't had to go through that. But on the writer side, some of these people have been entering 5, 10, 15. I say this one person since the early 80s has been entering the contest before he finally won. So it's just some, it's a persistence thing. It's, yes. So, and if, when you do the pieces and you get them and make it a goal for yourself, be like, you know what? I'm going to enter them. Even if I win or not, I'm going to get these three pieces done and I'm going to get them in. That way, you know, worst case, you have three awesome pieces you just finished. So, yeah. so make it a personal, some people work better with their own deadline. So make it your own deadline. So. Good. Good. Now, where can people find you to check out your art and to be able to purchase your art? Oh, uh, you can go to echochernik.com, E-C-H-O-C-H-E-R-N-I-K.com to find my art and purchase my art. For my commercial work, uh, it's echo-x.com. Um, and I also have a Patreon at the Excalibur Project, uh, which is, there's a link off of the, uh, the other two pages as well. That's T-H-E-X-C-A-L-I-B-E-R project.com. Or the grocery stores. You can go to the grocery store and find my art too. <laughs> exactly in the whole and all the tea section yes. well good well thank you very much echo it's been I'm, I'm really glad we had this chance to uh to chat here because it's it's important people understand more about the contest the the uh, mastermind behind it that's uh, that's currently got the helm um you've definitely <laughs> picked up for some very able shoes that you've continued walking in when it, um it's been around for you know 30 plus years so it's Thank done. you. You guys do a great job. You just, you really, I, I, I've never seen you, 
you guys do anything but really, really just to support and be enthusiastic about all the winners and about really um, carrying on what L. Ron Hubbard set up. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. So anyway, it's been great chatting with you again. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast where we get your podcasts. The Writers of the Future podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeart, and Spotify. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Owen Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. 